follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Doing good, Shad. I'm doing well. I'm glad to hear it, and I'm glad that you're out there listening to us. I don't know if you're listening whenever it first drops or if you're listening later, but whenever you're listening, I'm glad you're listening. We'll get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. It's gonna. The first one's going to be to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C and corners, capital B and podcast. Save 10% off your order. The other one's going to be, if you're willing to folks help folks in East Kentucky, it's Apple Shop, A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P.org. Um, it's bad enough that there are, there are some more folks getting involved for like, hey, why isn't this taken care of yet? And if you'd be willing to help some good folks who could use some good help, um, that's where you'd go. And then we pass the ball to Matt. Uh, that'd be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, you know, Orlando Cologne, not affected by the Grimace shake. Uh, the Grimace for <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys aware of that, by the way? Yes, I, I, we were, my wife and I were trying to figure out what it was. It, it was berry, wasn't it? It's kind of berry flavored. Uh, that's vague because it's like there's a lot of different berries out there. I think it may be blueberry. Um, berry melange. Yeah, but it's uh, it's interesting that th- what I'm specifically talking to it's and it, apparently McDonald's loves this because it's like it, this is exactly the type of viral marketing that they wanted. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted people, the cup, and I heard that you can't always get the cup. I I actually got the the meal, and I got the shake, which the shake, in my opinion, suffers from the same issues that like the the shamrock shake during uh, St. Patrick's Day that it uh, has with, which is basically like you you want this, you order it, you get it, and then it tastes like mostly just like chemicals, <laughs> whatever chemicals yeah. you use. It just and that was kind of the berry thing. I had it, and it was like eh, it did not taste good to me because it's more like the, the chemicals by the end of the shake it gets like better but that's like you gotta you gotta work it. it's let not it, really let it get watered it. down a little bit yeah but the, the viral thing is like i guess it's like a tiktok thing and i don't own tiktok because tiktok's like chinese spyware and i don't really want it um and it's so toxic I, it makes um twitter look like a haven of congeniality yeah it's not good uh but it I, there is like a, a TikTok sensation, which I do find kind of amusing, mm-hmm. and that people are, I guess they're trying to go viral themselves, or it's funny thing uh, in general. They'll they'll be like, yeah, I'm gonna start, uh, try this new Grimace shake, and they take a sip of it, and they like do like a jump cut, and it's like them like in various stages of what appears to be death, uh, with like the <laughs> Grimace shake, 
like coming out of their mouth. It's kind of like giving the impression that the shake is like itself toxic fluid that's killing people. <laughs> but uh, it's it's kind of funny if you go on YouTube because people will like repost it to YouTube. If you go on YouTube and do like a Grimace shake compilation, like it'll show that. And it, some of them are pretty funny and clever, but yeah. All right. I I have not tried one yet. Um, I don't know. I haven't I haven't felt the uh, I haven't felt the the draw and or had room in my calorie count for it. But I haven't had McDonald's like that isn't like a hash brown or their oatmeal in seven years now. I think I just hit my seven year anniversary. I routinely get the coffee uh, mm-hmm. like in the morning time because. I feel like we've had this discussion with Justin, our friend, it's friend of the show, Justin Chris. It's my story of, like, Tim Hortons being incompetent. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but McDonald's coffee is basically Tim Hortons coffee, because, like, McDonald's, like, poached the... the well, it's because uh, I think Tim Hortons, supplier. like, lowballed them or something, or did something that pissed them off, and McDonald's is like, come to, a, like, come to Butthead. Yeah. Um, it was, I think Tim Hortons got bought by a venture capital group. And so in cutting costs, they were like, no, we're going to use cheaper coffee. And um, then uh, McDonald's, McDonald's honestly already had good coffee. And then they, they're like, oh, that Tim Hortons supplier, we're going to pick that up and uh, just up their game. That's because opinion. McDonald's is like one of the best run companies after like Walmart that there is. In my opinion, McDonald's coffee, while nothing spectacular, is very good for the price point, and I do feel it's better. Uh, well, it's definitely better than Starbucks. It's because Starbucks, yes. Starbucks like burns the shit out of theirs. They burn the hell out of the coffee. It's not very good. The only time Starbucks is actually any good is if you get like the specialty coffees, which are just loaded with sh- calories I, and sugar. I they're, they're milkshakes. Well, I can't. They, they are essentially milkshakes, yeah. I um, so I don't do a lot of sugar now, especially in my drinks. Um, since you know I got the diabetes and I've kept that managed with weight loss. But man, like, like randomly once or twice, my mom got. I mean, my my wife got me the, the the vanilla like frappuccino thing because I like that. And mm-hmm. man, I crashed the fuck out from all the sugar. Like it was horrible. <laughs> like I was shaking and stuff because I wasn't used to like that much. Yeah. That much sugar in one go. Mhm. So I don't do it anymore. I am just ju- judicious on my my use of McDonald's through the day. It's like if I want to get a, the what I consider the best fast food breakfast experience almost letter kenny dairy the word breakfast there um <laughs> I, I go mcdonald's coffee and then i get everything else from hardy's <laughs> i do hardy's goes hard in the paint i do chick-fil-a with their um it's like egg chicken and um hash brown and like a burrito yeah but also on the health front since i'm eating healthier um the protein showdown from Sheets is awesome. It's a flatbread with egg white, um, pepper jack cheese, and some cheddar cheese. You know, I've I've heard of Sheets, but as far as I'm concerned, it's mythical. You know, it's 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 like snipe hunting. Everybody oh, says it's there. And <laughs> oh, don't worry. If if one gets into your town, there'll be like eight behind it. 
Well, the, right now they'd have to fight against Dollar General and Bucky's. So I love Bucky's. Um, <laughs> I generally don't uh, don't eat like breakfast stuff from fast food places. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though, I I maintain that the bacon egg and cheese biscuit from McDonald's is perhaps the best fast food item. It is not just for breakfast. In general, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, like I think that it's it's like a perfect fast food sandwich. It's it's so tasty. It's amazing. It um, is incredibly solid, but I don't know if it's going to be some hearty stuff. I, I, it's my opinion. I do think, though, it's it's fantastic. I, I personally rank it really up there. My, uh, my really... only my only my only mm-hmm. counter to that is for a day to day sandwich, it is. But like the annual jaunt that you might have into a McGriddle is like the best thing ever. Hmm. Uh, I'm also gonna give I'll give a shout out friend of the show, <laughs> Damien <laughs> Gonzalez, <laughs> the Dames, who's like guest started on our uh, podcast before. He yep. he has put out like a video. I I don't know if he's put out TikToks, but he's put out videos before. He did before talking about how like they had like a some sort of like chicken parm sandwich at Wendy's. Yeah. Which they it was like a limited time offer, like they, it's already gone. But then he like he messaged us because I have like me and uh, Chris, uh, a couple another guy, is like they did it again. Wendy's did it again. They're like, what are you talking about? He's like cheesy potatoes. I guess they have some sort of breakfast cheesy potatoes. <laughs> and he's like. Yeah, only get them in breakfast. They're so good. And it's like okay. <laughs> I I honestly I honestly don't eat a lot of fast food. Like if I if I'm gonna eat out, um, it's usually like a step above. Like so I might do like Chipotle or something of that ilk is like my low uh, end. Ah, uh, the fast casual. Yeah. Or yeah, they're I, all I, gone I, now, and the only ones far away. But uh, Big Boy was also has an excellent burger. Bob's Big Boy? Uh, no, this is Frisch's it, Big Boys. Uh, well, it's kind of licensed. The the quote-unquote Big Boy is licensed to different names. So there's Bob's Big Boy in one region and Frisch's Big Boy in another region and so on. Yeah, well, there's not any of that here. It gets it gets wonky here because so Frisch's Big Boy can either be Frisch's Big Boy, Big Boy, or Frisch's. Like, it has, yeah. it has three names. All of those are... It, the the only thing that I really miss about having Big Boy in the uh, in the area is the fact that I do not get I do not get an opportunity to hit a breakfast buffet. Mm. Because yeah. Between between Big Boy and and or Shoney's, like uh, I can hit a breakfast buffet and be be ready to go for almost the entire day. I do. Like, I don't have a TJ's close anymore either, and I miss TJ's. So just for a deep breath, we're not actually talking about food <laughs> as our subject tonight, but, you know, it was a fun little side thing to get into. Um, Brad, what the heck are we talking about? So uh, we're coming back with a sequel to last week's show, so we just picked up a bunch of rando matches to watch. Rando old matches. Yeah. So um, I popped it in there late, but it was just a three-minute squash from, like, 1966 AWA with Mad Dog Fashan beating up some poor schlub. That's about the most accurate description. Because he just 
just wails on the dude. Yeah. And um, I liked uh, so that's Roger Kent, who is like the AWA announcer forever. And I don't think a lot exists of him, but I I really liked him as an announcer. Um, and I liked that Mad Dog Fashan wrestles like a guy that you would like call how you, a guy like Mad Dog Fashan should wrestle. Uh, he just wallops the guy and then pile drives him into oblivion. Yeah, yeah he he does wrestle like you, you would expect uh, or in and hope essentially a guy named mad dog to wrestle i I like that he was built from what was he algeria something like that because a french canadian is a is a dead (laughs) ringer for someone from the middle east yeah he in real life he's uh quebecois he's from montreal yeah um i like the belt too that belt he had was swank yeah, I be- what what title was that for? That was the AWA was that- World Title. Oh wow, okay. Because this is like a 1964 match, I think. 66. Okay, 66. Because it was really weird, like it, it, the um the way they looked on the screen was really weird, and I and they they shot it at like a weird angle too. Mm. But um, it was a f- I thought it was a fun little squash, especially for like 1966. Mm-hmm. I um yeah it's a good squash it I it's hard for me because I I have I suffer from trying to put so much aside as we go through it and I look at it and I'm like well you know that's like he really did go after him the way you were describing but on the other hand it's like ah I just I didn't love the pile driver but you know you're a, it's it's fresh enough, it's new enough, and it's still got enough mystique that it doesn't matter. Um, but everything else, I agree with you about. Yeah, his pile driver was a little wonky. I mean, it it just it seemed it was just off. Like it didn't go fast, it didn't go hard. It was just kind of like doing a pile driver, uh, good enough. I don't think I think due to the era, I don't think the guy he gave it to knew how to take it. That might be it. That might be in any event. So we're going to bounce ahead to 1968 next. Uh, So we're going back to. Well, no, this is not all Japan. Sorry. All Japan doesn't start to like 71 or 72. Mm -hmm. So this is the JWA. I actually actually thought it was all Japan. No, all Japan starts in like. 72 maybe so this is um this is the the jwa towards the end really um so this is giant baba versus dick the bruiser for the pwf world heavyweight title in a two out of three falls match Mm -hmm. pwf or pnf i think it's the pwf so this belt um Shad, if you don't know, the belt that this was was being defended here eventually becomes part of the Triple Crown. Oh, okay. All right. I'm with you. Yeah. So this is um this is just an all out like malicious brawl between two big boys. It's one of the first matches I I saw Giant Baba have a full match of. And it's Baba being a bigger dude, it's very different than 
almost anybody else being a giant or being a big dude. So, yeah, uh, Baba was an interesting one because he physically it's kind of an odd shape um, because he did have some giantism. Uh, but he was like of, of all the wrestling giants, air quotes that have mm-hmm. been out there, like he was he arguably is the best one that actually like in the in ring was is arguably the best one. Uh, and I guess because he's also kind of lanky, like he can believably sell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't fall into the, the trap. It's like, oh, you're like almost seven feet tall. Uh, get out there and don't sell anything. Like, no, like he's he actually sells and he's quite believable. sympathetic, actually. Yeah. Uh, he's an interesting character and was a good worker. The thing I think the thing is, like, this was kind of like. 60s and 70s was probably like his heyday in terms of like he's probably in his prime right now yeah like his like prime his heyday because a lot of what we see and and i mean people he he had a lot of matches in the 80s and 90s still uh but he just kind of like he was like a he was like a a six man like get my shit in work like five to seven minutes a night he was still he still had like star star power and was still you know essentially a name I don't know how much like people knew in kayfabe that he was, you know, running the promotion all Japan, but he was not selfish. He wasn't like, well, let me push myself still as like the champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was someone who di- essentially relegated himself to multi-man tags, uh, which does allow people to be in there to like get their shit in too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and get like kind of pushed over, and, and that's something that the Japanese do a lot. Is that a lot of times you'll see like the young boys teaming with the established star right here. I mean, he's I think he's currently triple crown champion, but Yuji Nagata was always great about that. He would always like yeah. last few years, he'd be like, let me get in there and work a tag with the as the, the veteran. Well, with you, young you'd, boy. you'd see that. That's what they used. Um, that's what they use a lot of the older guys for, like Kojima or um, Nagata. You'll see like a young boy with like 10 matches to his name will go out like second match on a show. And then um, like Nagata or Kojima is just like, OK, we're going to work 10 minutes and I'm just going to like I'm just going to like pace this out and show you how it's done and teach you. Yeah, it's a uh, he also worked a lot of tags, those, those tags or whatever with uh, Masafuchi. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've talked about this before, but like it, when All Japan basically was almost going defunct because Baba died and everyone defected to create and his uh, wife's like dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, there was like very, very few like actual like uh, original talent that it was, was like left. Kawada and Fuchi. Yeah, Kawada and Fuchi were like the the only guys left practically, uh, and they had like. In 2000, I think 2001, they had an amazing tag, I believe, against Nagata, and um, I think it was Taka. I think it was Azuki. I forget exactly, but they had an they had an amazing, amazing tag, in which Kawada was always great, but Fushi like stepped up his game, and I mean he was he was always a competent, good worker. He just, but he had been relegated so much to like comedy stuff. And he just exploded. He just like was. It's one of the most impressive performances I've seen because he just became like another level dick. You think that you were watching like Minoru Suzuki? He's just like stepping on dudes like throats and like <laughs> it's like, it's really good. 
Um, it's really odd. It's almost like if it's like Danhausen, who's like a comedy guy now. It's like all of a sudden Danhausen like kicked into the gear, was like putting on a mind blowing performance in the in a wrestling match. But you mean um, like that uh, that that most recent match he was in where he got hurt because yeah. he kicked ass in that match. Yeah. Um, but Baba was. Baba was obviously behind all Japan uh, in inspiration. He's there's there's a reason he's considered one of the legends. Yeah, like and, he was. And in personal mm-hmm. preference, because I've seen them both wrestle, I prefer Baba to Anoki. I think he's a better overall performer. Um, he's much more. He's easier to get behind and get into because he's much more sympathetic. Um, whereas Anoki kind of tends to do like the Superman route. I just like Baba better. I think that's exactly fair. Um, and I haven't, I, it's not as if I'm some sort of expert having seen either one of those guys for like, you know, a thousand matches of each, yeah. but I would agree that Baba is more sympathetic. He's more of a, uh, I would say like a complete. He's more uh, like, rest- the, he's like, um, he has a lot in common with Dusty Rhodes and his like, sim- sim- how sympathetic he is in the ring. Mm-hmm. But um, so this match is essentially so, so this starts and um, it's pretty much Dick the Bruiser tried to destroy Baba's knee, mm-hmm. and um, Baba has enough of his bullshit and starts pretty much choking him, and then because this is the '60s, Dick the Bruiser gets like one of those double chairs and starts smacking him with it, and then um, and this is a two out of three falls match. So there's falls in between here. And mm-hmm. then they start brawling outside, and um, Baba starts choking him with like the like the the camera cables, and mm-hmm. then um, I don't know how to describe this. Like he would choke him, he would shoot him into the ropes, and he would choke him some more. That was really cool. I, this is the first time I've actually ever seen Dick the Bruiser in a match. I've always heard about him, um, and I know he's his heyday was like like way. Late fifties into like the late sixties. Yeah, like by the time I he he was apparently like dead by the time I actually started watching wrestling. But uh, you always would hear about him. You'd hear about like Gates. He would uh, would and he ran the indie promotion for till like <laughs> yeah the, the mid eighties I think. Looking that up, he he uh, had a partner and a business partner, and he bought that. You know, he bought that from who's that? <laughs> My boys. Oh, oh. my boys. <laughs> he bought he bought it from Jim Barnett. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I there's a one snippet. It's on the Wikipedia thing. I'm looking at it. Uh, this sounds amazing. Uh, and it, everything was you know very kayfabe back then. I'm sure this was like obviously like not a real fight, but I guess he had he and Dr. Jerry Graham were in a tag match at Madison Square Garden, uh, and their opponents were Antonio Rocca. Edward Carpentier, and I guess they like the, after the match ended, they continued fighting, which I'm sure that's that was like the plan. Oh, we're gonna keep brawling, mm-hmm. but a a riot. People were so into it, like people a riot broke out, and yeah. two fans were arrested. Over 60 policemen had difficulty dispersing the angry crowd. Uh, policemen were injured. <laughs> mm-hmm. The floor of the arena was littered with hundreds of broken chairs. I guess from the crowd, the, the seats. And as a result, he was banned for life by the New York State Athletic Commission. <laughs> That's obviously you wouldn't want that because you like you, you 
only now can be in 49 states. But it, mm-hmm. that what a thing to put on your resume. I, like right. I, as my, someone who's like, I'm too controversial and dangerous for the state of New York. <laughs> my my favorite my favorite riot story is like the the dime beer was it nickel beer or dime beer at like the Cleveland Indians game that just turned into oh, like yeah. a total riot. And of course that degenerate <laughs> Billy Martin was involved. Oh yes. Because like And because, I suspect it's not a good idea. No, because <laughs> someone Well no, because like someone's hat got stolen and he's like, Let's go get that hat, boys. So the players are like beating up the crowd. <laughs> there was oh. some famous writer that was like, I went with two dollars in my pocket, you do the math. <laughs> I remember the story. I couldn't remember the exact amount. Yeah, it was something like I went with two dollars, like you do the math. But it was yeah. just like Billy Martin, like oh yeah, of course Billy Martin was involved. <laughs> just a horrible drunk. Oh yeah, all you all that needed to be complete was Mickey Mantle being there and like yeah. beating someone. Seriously, but this match was really interesting to me um and i messaged you guys because uh, i tried to watch this like in, in basically chronological order mm-hmm. uh so this was like the first one i watched that the the matches we observed this was i except for something like 1966 i think it was the time 68 i think 66 uh, 68, or okay. 68 i think it was still in the 60s so you're talking about something that is literally like over 50 years ago yeah right and one, the quality of the actual like video was impressively good. I mean, I have seen, I've seen stuff from the more modern era that doesn't look as good. I have seen indie stuff uh, from you know the last like five years, which is not as good. No, uh, that kind of owes to like the quality of uh, what how this is being taped and the the quality of how it was being stored. But anyway, if, if someone digitally. Uh, enhanced this or it cleaned it up like they did a great job but no i think that i think this um based on what i saw or a longer clip of this i think they might have played this around when dick the bruiser died like so that might even not be that like new of a showing this might be from like the 80s or the 90s or something wow this uh this was really nicely shot uh in the the recording the quality of it was actually quite good but the other thing that really struck me is like for a match that's in the 60s, so 50 plus years ago, this was like shockingly violent. I mean, there is, it's not the most violent. You're not watching like a uh, CZW deathmatch tournament. It's not like that. Yeah. But it was, there was blood. There was just brutality. It was, it was something. Yeah. The thing that I got from watching this was that in the the talk about all of the you know old back in the day blah, 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 is that you were doing fewer things and in doing fewer things the story you were trying to tell stood out more and if you didn't know what kind of story you were telling that was pretty apparent but the story here is that Dick the Bruiser is just a mean bastard Being and a he's dick. trying to yeah, being a dick, trying to cut Baba down. Mm-hmm. Um, now, God, I miss Dad, um, but he told me about going to a wrestling match where I might have told this story before. If I have, it's been a few years. But he went to this match 
or he went to the show and it was Dick the Bruiser versus Yukon Eric. And they were having um, like a, a Klondike log camp match or something. Basically, it was a way of saying no DQ, but with flavor on it. And the whole gimmick was that Dick the Bruiser was dirty as hell and was, you know, going to come up with whatever he could. And Yukon Eric was a, part of his gimmick is he didn't wear shoes, but it's it's the street fight thing. And it's Dick the Bruiser. So he has boots on, but they're not laced. And how does the match end? Dick the Bruiser knocks Yukon Eric down, takes his boot, like his cowboy boot or something, and just clubs him over the head until he can't get up. Like, I think that this is just Dick the Bruiser's default mode. And that's how we get such strong reactions to him is yeah. just a dick who, who, you know, the gimmick is he's a dick and he's out to hurt people, hence being the Bruiser and... Yeah, it looks it since he's not doing quote unquote as much stuff. It's easier to kind of follow that story. It's not. But he has a lot of charisma too, though. I think when people talk about how they do less, it's like if you if you did not have Dick the Bruiser's like persona, body language, and general like charisma, you would have to do more to get what he's getting. Yeah. He's he's very good at um, bringing all of this out. His, uh, word I'm looking at, he is his expressive body language carries so much. However, he don't give one damn because after the first fall, he just stands there and gigs in full view of the camera. Oh yeah, he, yeah. he <laughs> did not care about blading. No, uh, maybe that's because like generally they weren't working uh, shows that are being taped or in front of a camera. So I don't think you yeah. gigged on. I don't think you gigged on like free TV. So I don't think they were used to like mm. these types of matches being on film. It, it, if you're like if this is your first time ever watching a wrestling match, or you're not really that skilled with wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not notice that, but uh, us having like a little bit more like experience with that, we can see when he's gigging because he's like. His eye, his eye isn't busted, and then you see him like putting his hand up there when it's clearly not bloody, and by the time he removes it, it's like it's bloody, and it's like it, yeah. it's it. Maybe again, if you're not experienced, you don't think that he's what he's doing, but if you are, like, you can tell like oh yeah, he's like jagging a, a razor blade across. It's a recognizable motion. We always yeah. catch them doing this on old shows. The only one. The only one that wasn't his fault was Bruno during the Zabisco angle, and that's because the cameraman screwed him. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, tried... the cameraman zoomed in yeah, like, right he, at the moment. He was trying to be subtle, and the cameraman's like, ooh, what's that? That's movement. It's like, no, yeah. that's just him blading. That's just uh, that's just Bruno using the gig. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Uh, I, Baba comes in with... I guess we can be generous and call it a sleeve on his knee to kind of easily start the story. And Dick spends a lot of time screwing with that and ripping at it. And then after the first fall, they, I couldn't exactly tell what they, they're like pouring something on it and like adjusting it. Cause it just looks like a piece of cloth wrapped around his knee. And I'm not sure what they're doing, but I guess it's supposed to be cure for what ails you. Yeah, I'm I'm just sitting here all these years later, like, uh, how's that supposed to help? Well, in in Japan, a lot with wrestling, you'll see, um, especially in modern stuff, they like when they get beaten stuff, you'll see them bring ice out for their neck. 
But in other promotions, they'll spray them with, like, cold compounds, like, when they lose and stuff. Okay. So that's kind of a Japan thing. Okay. So it might have been, like, ice water to try and, like, help with the swelling or whatever. Gotcha. It's it. It was just weird to watch. So there could have been there could have been some angle too if they were like that they were communicating like on TV that we wouldn't know. Maybe maybe so. But there wasn't commentary for this, so I don't I don't know. No no, there wasn't. It was just. But I thought this was I thought this was like a fun like just brawl. It was fun. It, again, it was like kind of shock, shockingly violent for me. Um, it's more violent. I mean, I know there was an all Japan, but it's, I guess, anything Baba. I almost feel like I, I in my mind, I associate it um, with with all Japan. And it's like this is more violent than I was expecting from all Japan. Because, I mean, back in the day, and really even today, like there's not usually like blood in in those type of matches. Um, there's a, all there's, Japan, New Japan. There's one, I think it was shot in Detroit though, but there's, I know from all Japan classics, cause it's in black and white, but there's, um, there's a match with him and the Sheik from like 72 and he's just bleeding like a stuck pig. The original Sheik, not a, yeah, the original Sheik, not a Sheiky Sheik. baby. No. Yeah. God rest Sheiky baby. Yeah. But, um, and I know Abby did stuff in the, in the um, 70s with All Japan. So I'm sure there was blood in those. So, correct me, is All Japan, is that the, um, that's like King's Road stuff, right? No, King. Is that? Yeah, King's Road is. That's that's King's Road. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, in my head, I, yeah, you say you don't associate violence with All Japan. In my head, what I associate with all Japan is let's stiff the hell out of each other and drop each other on each other's heads. Like that's, that is that, to me, that's all. Also, I'm going to take a big move, get up, do a big move to you. And then we'll both sell like that's all Japan in a capsule. That's in like my brain. the mid nineties onward. So what happened is so, um, essentially they had the JWA, which was Ricky Dozen on top. So the style until I guess probably the late eighties is, it's um, it's like Ricky Dozen, Inoki, or Bava standing up to the foreign invaders. Okay. So that's kind of what what this is. Um, so that that that's what this the style of match would be. It's the Gaijin coming in, causing trouble, and then they get rebuffed by, um, Ricky Dozen, Bava, Inoki, later Jumbo Sharuda, that sort of thing. So they they were then like the guys under Ricky Dozen. And you'll see if you look under like the tag titles, they won the tag titles together a bunch of times. So then um, Ricky Dozen dies, obviously. And then um, they both kind of don't get along. So they go off and form their own companies. Uh, so that means Baba goes and forms All Japan. Inoki goes and forms New Japan. They form around the same time. Um, the JWA tries to go on with, I don't remember the guy's name as the top star and it doesn't work. And I think they're dead by like 74 ish or maybe 75. Mm. And then they, the NWA international title, which was the top title there ends up 
going to all Japan after that. Because Baba just takes his world title with him. Oh, okay. And then uh, up until the IWGP form, then um, Inoki had the NWF title, I think it was called. Okay. Is I think what the original title in New Japan was. For a brief history of how it like all unfolded. I was gonna say we we're so far out of my wheelhouse I don't even know what to say. <laughs> That's what happens. I think I think eventually we need to do the Ricky Dozen destroyer match since that might be the most watched match in oh, history. Yeah. Of all time, yeah. 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 Didn't we didn't we say that seventy it was million? Like, like seven million people. Yeah, some seventy just million. Yeah. yeah. Like Super Bowl numbers. Yeah, we'll have to get into that. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna bounce ahead. I think this was eighty two. Is this match in eighty two? Okay. I feel like it was eighty two. So this is um Ric Flair defending the NWA world title against Butch Reed. No, might have been eighty three or eighty four. Hacksaw Butch Reed. Yeah, Hacksaw Butch Reed. And this is from Houston. Um so I have I have some automatic issues with this match. Uh, for one, the announcer is god awful. <laughs> and what's he keep calling the figure four? What's he keep calling it like the the leg breaker or something stupid? And by that point, I had tuned the announcer out. Yeah, I I quit listening to the announcer entirely. And secondly, Tommy Gilbert was awful as a referee in this match. The you're not wrong because he he. He was playing into standard referee tropes when he should not have been. And can I ask you, like, who got DQ'd for what? I don't know. I I, I literally have no idea. Was it? I think it was supposed to be that Reed got DQ'd because he's the one that hit the ref. But they then he announced Reed is the winner. That's what I thought, too. I, I don't know. I. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. Even the announcer didn't know. I mean, the announcer was a dipshit but he didn't know either i was very confused on that but in general my problem with this match was there was a really good match in here except they like took the pieces around and like shook them up and like did it all weird and out of order my issue with this match um was that in doing it felt like i'm watching this match and they have all these pieces that should really work except they they have no momentum it's like do stuff do stuff do stuff dead stop i think it and had momentum keep, it had momentum had when, when reed was doing his comebacks it had momentum like i was interested when reed was doing stuff and he was on offense but then like they would completely bring it to a screeching halt when like flair would go on offense i didn't like this match at all yeah, I thought it was it didn't I don't know what was up with this. It didn't interest me. I, I found Butch Reed to be boring in this. I didn't think Rick was motivated. I messaged you guys. I really do think that Rocky King, like perennial, like JWP Jim, or JCP, Jim Cracker Promotions, uh, perennial job or Rocky King was to me like a more interesting 
uh, matchup with Rick. I'm sure Rick Flair has had better match with him or like Italian stallion. Well, the sad thing uh, is I've seen, I've seen from like Florida, I've seen matches with Butch Reed and Rick Flair that are far better than this. I don't know. They, they, they had an off night. I mean, they, they, I don't know. Maybe I, Rick had done like a, one of his marathons <laughs> and was like, yeah, well, let's take it easy out there. I may, I, I mean, maybe it was because they were in Houston. Something was off. I guess every now and then you've got a, you're going to have a, uh, some where things just don't fall into place, but, um, something, something wasn't clicking. No. And I don't know. It, maybe, maybe Tommy Gilbert was the problem. I mean, I don't know, Shad. How much can, like, a referee that's not totally stonewalling you, like that um, that coach guy you had, like, how much can a referee, like, being bad, like, screw your your vibe in a match? I can really screw your... Okay, quick story for you. So, we had this one guy in one company that would ref for us, and it wasn't his real name, but people called him Crazy Carl. And Carl had a speech impediment, and... You could suspect Carl may have had some other stuff too. We're having this; some guys are having this match. Guy knocks him down. Does does some big move, knock down, go for the pin. Carl gets down there, and goes one, two, and then he stops and looks at the guy. And goes, "Do you want me to count three? And it's just like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, you, oh my god! You know." He, Whoever the veteran was at the time would have to would have to think for themselves and for Carl too. And if the, they were working with someone really green, they'd have to think for all three of them and like call the entire thing, including the ref. And we had to hammer it in. It's like Carl, go down there for the count. And if somebody doesn't kick out it's their when fault. they're supposed to kick out, it's either their fault or something is wrong and it needs to end there. Just count it. Just count it. We had told him this before this show. Just count it. I thought, like, because I thought the ref, though, like, didn't call stuff, but sometimes, like, the ref is, like, the go-between, like, just in the working of the match, like, or it, like, has to do the audibles sometimes. It depends. Like, on, on the big promotions, the ref has an earpiece so that they can get the word for, it's like, you know, hey, wrap it up. And they can pass that along very easily. But the thing that I get, it to go back to your original question, Brad, is a bad ref, a bad ref will not call things they're supposed to call. They'll be out of position a lot. So, you know, let's say I've got a hold of somebody and I'm going to whip him into the corner. The ref is not standing off to the side of us. He's standing directly in the way of what I want to do. So if I'm a face and I'm getting ready to whip him into the corner, I can't just whip this guy into the corner because the ref's right in a damn way. So then I have to pivot or something and whip him to a different corner. <clears throat> but and and you doing stuff like that, you know, not thinking, not being in the way. You know how sometimes we've grumbled about seeing a ref who's supposed to go for a count, but he's not in position, so he like runs around to the other side to do it. And he can't even see like the shoulders. Yeah, whereas there are some refs like Charles Robinson or um, P. 
Pee Wee Anderson or now Bryson Aubrey do it, but they would like jump over the pinfall to get in position to do the count. Like they dive for it. Who was the guy who, I don't think he ever, he used to do like, there's a guy that used to do like, he was on like WWF dark matches and he always got a big pop because he would cartwheel into like the, the final like pin like count or whatever. Oh, I have no idea. Or that was like his big spot, which I thought was was cool. Or um, the other one I hate is like when they when they're supposed to not see something and they have to like sheepishly look away. Right, because they're they're not good enough to be natural. Um, there was same ref. You know, I'm I'm tagging with the guy that got me in the business, and we're doing something, and. I like I I go over to the I'm kind of backing towards my corner so that BJ can get Carl's attention and he does that and I go to walk away and Carl goes to follow me and BJ like come here come here come here come here come here and Carl's not like Carl's following me I'm like God and so I turn around and I shove him you know I'm a heel I can get away with that he does that and BJ reaches out and grabs him by the shirt and pulls him over and he's like shaking his finger in his face and like yelling at him and stuff like that and so what we you know we had to like force him into position for stuff like that. And it's just like, shit, dude, do you not even watch this on TV? Like, what are you doing? And a bad ref can take you out of a match really, really badly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think so. I have a problem with him because like, if like you push the ref, he should always push you back. Like if you're the heel. Well, the idea here was I push him into the corner so BJ can get a hold of it. Well, yeah, I meant, I meant in general, though. Like, I hate when refs are bitches. Like, I like when they um, they push people back. I, the thing that I, I – I like for the ref to have a spine. I don't say they have to push back, but if you push the ref and the ref stands up and he points at you and he points at himself and he goes, you don't touch me. Yeah. I will take this – you know, you, you don't have to, like, get physical back, especially if the guy's, like, a lot bigger – but, you know, stand up to him. Have a spine because well, you're the it, one that has the authority. If you're Nick Patrick, you should always physically <laughs> push back. Yeah. Did I tell Nick you? Patrick's the guy, isn't it? Did I tell you? Isn't um, he like 6'5 or something ridiculous? Yeah. Like he's he he was – I have – I there's stuff on the internet with um, Continental. He wrestled. Yeah, he was a wrestler briefly. I, and I think time. he was a boxer. No, he's a big boy. He's like 6'5 or something. Yeah, he's a big old dude. I, my favorite, I think, I don't remember what match it was and who the ref was. It might have been Tommy Young, where he did that to Flair and Flair like dropped to his knees and like begged off. I don't remember. I think it was Tommy Young. You know who else? You know the one where it really detracted though, and it still pisses me off thinking about it. Is remember Gene Kanitsky and the Flair race uh, uh, cage terrible. match? Yeah. Yeah. Because he was, was trying to get himself over yeah. in the middle of this, this big defining match. Yeah. I hated that. God. Yeah, that was awful. I hated that one. I, I do like the one, though. Um, that's a clip where... Um, it was WWE. Who was it? It was Miro. It was Rusev and... Um, Oh, who was the other guy? And they were tossing Aiden English in the ring. Mm. And the Usos kept, like, super kicking him out. 
Okay. Oh, the Uso super kicking? That's really surprising. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they'd be like, no, no, get back in there. And they throw him back in. And then they started fucking with the ref. So then, like, the ref took his ref shirt off and they, like, super kicked all of them. And AJ Styles, like, tossed, like. I'll pulled the ref shirt on. That's right. Yeah. And then he made the yeah. count. And I don't think he could see anything because it was just, like, on his head. Yeah, he didn't get it pulled all the way down. Oh, who was the third guy now? I'm trying to... Oh, who was the third guy? It was Miro and Aiden English and... Simon Gotch? No. Gotch is useless ass got fired well before that. Uh, Maybe it was... um... It was Miro... Let me, uh, while you think about that, let me let me be a typical WWE fan. Uh, all the young bucks do is spam. They just spam super kicks. That's all the young bucks do. Let me ignore when the Usos do the same fucking thing like a hundred times. Every big moment in the Bloodline story with them has been them super kicking someone. Yeah. Well, I, someone brought up a good point. It's like this, it's become almost like a meme because people do notice this. It's like every Roman Reigns match, it's like wrestle for a bit, wrestle for a bit, then we pause and let do a fucking monologue in the match. Oh, you should acknowledge me. It's like uh, okay, enough. I, I'm I'm it's, already it's tired really of this. I, you know, it really, it really. I know people like whatever dumb shit Dominic Mysterio is doing, but. I don't care. It really, it's really a massive downgrade for Cody to be going from challenging for the world title at um, WrestleMania Which, to having a fairly well-received feud with Brock Lesnar to having to a dicking match around with, in the mid card. Yeah, with Dominic Mysterio, he doesn't even get Finn Balor. He gets the Judgment Day, which is, is like a mid card stable. Which uh, it's uh, as we're recording this on June twenty seventh. So you have, you know, probably less, less than two months. Let's, let's give you, let's buy you some time. You have two months. Because there are people that's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be Cody and Roman again at SummerSlam. It's like, okay, like, you haven't done anything to build that up. And so no, what you're going to have. It's going to be, they're going to do some nonsense with, like, Roman and one of the Usos. I'm I'm just sitting here going, it's like, it's going to be Roman and Cody at SummerSlam. And I, I see the Willy Wonka meme where he's leaned up there going, tell me how, you know, I think what they're going to do that. I think what they're going to do is they're going to roll it back and like have Cody win the Rumble and do it at Mania again. Oh, <sighs> oh, the salty run back. Look, I I'm not I'm actually kind of impressed with Dominic. The fact that the guy went from. Frankly, not doing real well teaming with his dad to turning into this heel character that's massively over. You know what? Good for you. That's what you needed. That was that breakout you needed for it to really work. I'm happy for you. Great. It's still a massive downgrade for Cody. (laughs) It is. He is a massively over mid-card heel. And that is – there is no shame in that. There is absolutely no shame in that. The number of people that have appeared on national television and not been as over as Dominic is right now. I mean, you know, he's he has done this whole thing about he spent a night in jail and then he came out talking about how hard, you know, how hard life was in prison and stuff. It's hysterical. But and you know, everybody hates him for it. It's that. You know what? That's great. He steered into it. He made it work. He is not a main event guy. No, nope. and for Cody to be dicking around, it, is that 
I I'm, I am like really checked out with WWE lately. Like I again, no, that's I, his that's a, his match for Money in the Bank is Dominic. I'm such a re- I'm such a wrestling nerd that I will like even though I'm not I, again I'm down the WWE. Like I will always at least follow like, what's mm-hmm. going on there if I don't actively watch it. Is that the main event for Money in the Bank? No, I think it's Seth and Finn. That's the main event. No, Raw's been terrible lately. I, I honestly, if you were, if you tell me like, no, the main event for Money in the Bank is not Dominic and Cody, which I would think is dumb if that's the main event. But at least like, <laughs> at least like Cody is ostensibly supposed to be like your main face. No, Raw Raw's like the same show every week now. Uh, but, but if you're telling me like, no, the actual main event is Seth versus Finn, I'm like. That's worse. Like I Well the, they they have they have who gives a, a shit about Seth Rollins is like They have a the world thing, they have a world title with no one to challenge for because now you have world title is like who the fuck cares? It might as well be like the 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 IC title or the US title. No one gives a shit. They hit this whole thing. They even like they promoted it. It's like, "Oh, we can't have they even said this. They said this on the air. We can't have uh, Roman Reigns have all the titles, the world title belt. So we're creating this this specific third title. It's going to be a world title too. It's like okay, it's the Beta have, Cuck you, world title. Yeah, you it's, have Seth Rollins win it, and then what do you do? Oh, like they debut. Oh, we're going to debut a new title. I I, I redesigned of the of the world title belt for Roman Reigns, who the, just has one belt. And it's like, what do they do? Like the next fucking week they I have know. to come out with and every he still has the old title. belt so now, the now, old he... Belt. now he has three titles he's walking around three titles like he has he's basically the fucking triple crown champion and that, now you and have it's all supposed to be the same title and now you have and the worst part though is now like let's say like that's the let's say that is like the official world title uh, like look for that world title now so now you have the beta cuck world title and now you have the piss king world title oh yeah oh wait hang on there's another wrinkle to this. Someone on Reddit pointed it out. You know they reissued the um they they like did the redesigns on the women's titles too. Oh god. They screwed up because the one they gave the one they gave to Roman says undisputed across the bottom of the big WWE logo. Asuka says that too because they didn't pay attention to which plate they ordered. Jesus. What <laughs> How do you fuck that up? <laughs> I don't know. And look, I don't know that they ordered the wrong plate, but I'm drawing the conclusion from seeing this happen. But oh my God. Like, how do you let that get by? How does that make it on TV? You know, you know how do you do that in high, in the era of high definition? You know, what's funny is, um, people care so little about raw right now is, Every episode on Cage Match is like at least an eight because there's not enough real reviews to counteract the bots and bring it back down to like a six or a seven. Because what happens, what happens is I don't know if you've ever watched it before. If you check, like it always starts high and like slowly goes down as like real reviews come in. And, like, all those people putting like fours and fives in. But now it's all bot reviews. So every episode of Raw is like... An 8.5. No. On there. And I'm like, I don't... And it's like, it's like you can tell it's AstroTurf because if you look at, like, AEW, AEW 
pretty much waffles between like a six if it's not a great show and then you get like a high eight for like a really good show and then anything mm-hmm. in between that is like and that's like about what anything is unless it's really bad i think that people got like the bot farms going after that one raw got like a point five. And there's there are some full bore like you're gonna have the full bore haters that are gonna go try and tank it as well. That they, they don't even know anything about the bot farms. They're just like, no, I don't want this to have a good rating. So, and I'm not saying for one side or another because there are people that do it both ways. But I don't want it to. It's like, well, the AEW thing is pretty organic. You can tell if it, what you can pretty accurately guess what that's gonna be. But WWE's like bog standard like if an episode's really bad of wwe raw now it's like a high seven because yeah. enough people felt like commenting to like counteract the bots it's just interesting it's interesting mm-hmm. how much interest there was that like died i can't believe how much buzz they killed mm-hmm. in such a short amount of time i don't yeah i get I get frustrated that like, I shouldn't be because not to turn this into another WD bashing thing, but it's like it, it does not interest me. The company does not interest me. I don't like the booking. I don't want more Roman stuff. I feel like they had an opportunity to actually do the right thing and put the titles on Cody. They didn't, and now it's like who gives a fuck? Who gives a shit? They 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 can put them on tomorrow. Don't care. Okay, yeah, I don't care. It's like you, great, you did the thing that I I kind of wanted. He lost the last like, match in the Brock feud too, so he's coming off yeah. of two feuds that he has extensively lost. Yeah, you like if you if they put the title on Cody, it's like great, you did the thing that I wanted, but I wanted it like months ago, and now it's like too little, too late. Like I, I don't I don't care. That, uh, that Brock said, feud would have been good shit with the title on the line. Yeah, I, I just get frustrated because like you hear like Dave Meltzer. Do a lot of people still respect uh, in terms of his opinion? It's like, oh yeah, WWE's really hot right now, and it's like. Yeah, like it, it. They are making good money. Like they're selling out almost everything. Even like, oh, you yeah, the bloodline hot story is really hot. It's like, okay. It's really but not again, though. Like if you, it I, was. I, it's passed me by. It's passed me by. I don't care about it. So it's like you can enjoy the things, these things, but I'm, I'm out. It's thing, like it's a Shark Tank. It's the, yeah. <laughs> that's just Shark Tank. You're like for that reason, I'm out. It's like but I'm the, out. The thing was I'm though, it, it was, it was hot, but it's. It's like died off because they they fucked it up, because even like even now the WWE stands like just talk about AEW. That's all they do is they bitch about AEW nonstop. They never talk about WWE. The the one of the WWE one of the most prominent WWE drones, the WWE Gareth. He literally oh, I think yeah. had a, he had like a tweet because he's like largely a, he's just like a Twitter, but he had like a a tweet. Where literally after like Omega Osprey from the night before at Forbidden Door, mm-hmm. which I haven't even seen Forbidden Door yet. Like I, I'm not saying like a oh, best match ever, but it it was a match that if everyone who has seen it has very complimentary things to say, where it they were like, oh yes, this is going to be one of the best of the year at least, at least of the year. Like, it, I guess it's up to you if it's one of the best of all time, but it's definitely, like, a, a match of the year candidate. And probably, like, it will go down as a, as a classic match of the decade or what have you. Literally, he was like... <sighs> he was like, yeah, let, let, time to watch some real wrestling with WWE. And it's like, Raw was... Dude. Raw, it's like, I think it was like... 
let's have Seth Rollins versus, uh, I don't know, The Miz. It's like, okay, go fuck yourself. Like, what the fuck are I, you trying to put here? So I watched almost all of Forbidden Door 2. Almost all of it. Hmm. <clears throat> because I am I am petty and hateful, I did not watch the Punk match. Um, Kenny Omega's not my cup of tea. I don't really like Will Ospreay, but those guys worked their ass off. I feel like that the ending was done incorrectly. If you wanted the result that you got, the ending was not done properly for it. Like I, I, I not, it's not anything about the work the lay, the way the match was laid out. That's, I don't like that, but they worked their ass off. They were working real hard. They were, you know, and Excalibur was doing a great job. Excalibur and the other guy who does the English new Japan commentary, who I'm not sure which one it was, we're working really hard to talk about how it mirrored the the last the 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 first match they had for the IWGP US title and like all these parallels and stuff like the guys were working hard and doing a good job with it even if it's not my style of stuff even if it's like I I don't care you know I I don't need piles of quote unquote athletic flippy you know whatever raw didn't even have an hour of wrestling on it on a three-hour show so omega osprey damn near had more wrestling in their one match than raw had in three hours wwe gareth is has there's no way i believe he's that delusional he's just got to be a troll um gareth Gareth, if you want to see some real wrestling, I have a wonderful submarine that you can go down and see the Titanic in. Um, I have this wonderful like third-party Xbox controller that I'm not sure if the Bluetooth works right, but this will get you right down there. He's got. It's got to be a troll. That that is that is the only. There is no way I believe that someone is genuinely saying this. Yeah. Oh, and side note, I would rather get on the HL Hunley than the Titan. Just seeing the the pictures of the interior of the Titan, I would have been like, no. No, uh-uh. but like you can tell, you can tell by the interior pictures versus the James Cameron one. Those walls are like coming apart in that picture. Yeah, it was carbon fiber. Yeah. Someone, someone actually like pointed this out. I didn't, but I mean, basically they had like a monitor in the sub. And someone pointed out, like, look, and it's the monitor is screwed into, bolted into the carbon fiber hull. It's like, dude, what are you doing? And the, yeah. the glass is only rated to 2,000 feet. And the person that told them that this thing was like a death trap got fired because of it. Now, go, mm-hmm. go, go look at pictures of that and then go look at the HL Hunley which is a Civil War era submarine, and the the HL Hunley looks like it's built better than the Titan. I'm just no, I'm just not. <sighs> yeah, there was no way, no way. No, you I'm can tell, like on... you can just tell by the look of it, it's not like safe. No, no. So. Which match were we on? As we were talking about, we didn't like Flair and Reed. So we have we have we have the final match of the night. This is from 1984, and probably my favorite of the ones we watched. This is Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen versus Harley Race and Nick Bockwinkel. And Mm. my takeaway from this match is 
dear Lord, Harley Race deadlifted Stan Hansen for a vertical suplex. This this is a, a quick match. Uh, everything, including like the pre and post match stuff, is I like think 11 they clipped minutes. off a couple minutes. I think this might have okay. been a little more. Uh, on YouTube, it's like a 11 minute video. Um, this match is something. Uh, it's uh, it's Hansen and Brody, who I believe I believe they were like a tag team. Oh yeah, for uh, quite a long time. Yeah, but they uh, two two thoughts like when I, I was watching this. Because I did like this a lot. Um, two thoughts. One, I do feel like it's this is kind of like not entirely their fault. It's really like the booking decisions of WCW back in the day. But Brody and Hanson are like the tag team that you wanted the WCW version of the Miracle Violence con- uh, Connection yep. to be. Yep. They're, they're almost like forces of nature. They just look like... If you if you were to transplant them uh, into like the modern day, like they could be in any promotion and they could just yeah. like run rough, rough shot over the promotion. They just they just seemed like world class, like ass beaters, like again forces of nature. Both guys seem like <laughs> to put a to use a fr- uh, phrase. They both just seem like problems. Yeah. Like they would they would just you don't want to mess with them. But that's part but of that set. That's part right. of what I loved about this match, though, is they they are that. And then Harley Race is like, hey, bitches, like, you want to see a problem? Like, I'll be a problem. Yeah, that that was the second <laughs> thing uh, besides those guys being awesome. The second time is the second thing is Harley Race was just an even bigger problem. And we've all heard the stories of of Harley Race being like, no, Harley Chase was like legit. Yeah. It's like, no, if this guy was on another level, he looks again. He's not that I don't think he's that tall. Uh not like that he certainly didn't have like the whole bodybuilder's physique. No. But Harley Ray and, and uh, in real life, Harley Race would just like drink and smoke and just did not was not in a great no, isn't physical that, Is that Dustin Rhodes that told a story there at their house and someone did something that pissed him off and he went and got a stun gun and like threatened them with it? I was thinking that exact story because that was the story that Dustin told on the Owen Memorial Night. Owen did something to mess with Harley's chili and and Harley went after him with a taser. remember, Remember when he was 71, he fell and he broke his hip and he was driving to some show and then he realized halfway there that he broke his hip and he had to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Is an old ass man. Like, how did he get to the car? I don't know. This is like the last couple years of his life. But that he 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 was just a badass. And in this, yeah. it's it's just he's a badass in this. He just seems he's just a brutal man. It's like in real life, like you would not mess with this guy. He, like, not he at legit all. legitimately he deadlifts. Stan Hansen for a vertical suplex. And Stan Hansen yeah. is and has always been a big boy. Like yeah. it, Stan Hansen was three bills maybe in this. Like he's yeah, he's he, big. And and he's like those headbutts he was throwing on Brody. Mm-hmm. And then um and then poor Nick Bockwinkle is just getting bounced around like he owes someone money. Nick Bockwinkle is good at this though. He's he good. good. And he's I mean, fifty. I mean, he's, he's fifty years old. He's a good worker. Like in general, and you've talked about him in, in recent podcasts to say that he kind of sadly was before the era where a lot of people really got to see him or appreciate him. 
and he's not someone that comes up a lot in like tape trading and stuff like that because he, he worked in more like technical style but he was he was a great worker and, and he was good in this match even though limited and less of a force in nature compared to the other guys but well, shad said bockwinkle ruined it a bit because he was having too much fun and it was obvious yeah. he was every having... time yeah every time bockwinkle lines up to throw a punch he's just got this big grin on his face as he's doing it i'm like dude yeah. come on now, i know you're having fun but now my favorite part is you see that so this ends in just bedlam yeah. but my favorite part is you they're focusing on hansen and Bockwinkle brawling and Bockwinkle's using like the streamers to choke him. But in the background, you can see Harley Race and Brody just sword fighting with a couple of chairs. <laughs> and they break the chairs. And then Race Race totally busts the shit out of his chair and then he's just beating people with the like the frame of a chair is because that's all he has left. <laughs> this breaks down in a beautiful kind of way and looking at this match is kind of like it's a train wreck well it is a it is a snug we're having a if you were to take a modern day match where you were going to have guys go out there and roughneck a tag match it would look i think it would probably look a lot like this but this would be it operating at about 65 percent speed of what you would see today not saying that's bad but what you would typically see today is you'd see a little more on the gas pedal for it. But it would be we're going in the corner, whack, whack, you know, just throwing stuff and maybe a few more moves to it. But it is evergreen in that sense of just like you guys said, you know, you've got you've got Hanson and, and Brody who are pushing Bockwinkle around and then Race gets in there and goes, I all right yeah it's my turn you know it's like let me take a drag off my marble red here <laughs> yeah <and then> we'll... <laughs> if he had had an ashtray on the turnbuckle taken a drag and stubbed it out and stepped through the ropes that was the only way it could no have been. no this is, Har- <laughs> this is harley race he would have tagged in and he it's harley race he would have tagged in and put it out on his tongue <laughs> no he wouldn't stay i i just like the uh the the unhurried method of him just stubbing it out before he steps through the ropes. That is the, like, that's the image stuck in my head. Even the giant didn't ever, the giant smoking gimmick where he came out, he didn't put his cigarette down ever, but if he had ever stopped and just like stubbed it out and then put someone away. Yeah. That would have been, I, I, it was funny enough as it was, but. But like, I've seen like Harley race and stuff, but like, this is like, you get a glimpse of like the glory of Harley Race in this match. <laughs> Just the the rough, gravelly, my give a damn's busted Harley Race comes out. Like, cause, cause they're just, and I mean, Hanson and Bro, they're all really good in this, but like, this is just one of those no fucks given. Like, let's just go crazy. Yeah. Do you want to hear a good? Uh... A, a funny Harley Race story. It's uh, it's like unlike the uh, the sociopathic ribs of the back in the day. Yeah. Um, uh, a more like playful, like funny a rib. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was Brian Last who actually trained as like a worker and and for a time like didn't work. 
and I believe Harley Race is the one who, who trained him. Um, he told this on, I think, the Fully Posable podcast. He told a funny story where it's like back in the day, like he was training uh, at Harley Reese's uh, like gym. Uh, he was Harley Race again when he was training people back in the day. But he 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 uh, he and someone else, Brian Last and someone else, were like doing the regular training stuff. And I guess they went somewhere and they bought jelly beans. But it was like the 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 gimmick jelly beans you can find in places like that where it's like awful flavors. Oh yeah, the uh, jelly bellies have those. Yeah, it's like uh this flavor is like uh like you know booger or this yeah. flavor is like, you know, vomus. Yeah, yeah, something like it's that. It's all just the something... buttered popcorn jelly belly flavor which is disgusting. Yeah, it's like some some awful flavor. But anyway, they bought like a pack of those and they did it as a rip on Harley cuz Harley had like a sweet tooth, I guess. And they they put like this the awful flavor jelly beans uh as and you know they go about their training like people are like training there and they see like they put it in a bowl and like harley is just watching the training making comments to people and everything like that and the whole time he's just like munching on the jelly beans like nothing like nothing <laughs> he's eating them and they're like basically he <laughs> they're like so confused they're like laughing because it's like a funny because look, look we got harley to eat this awful jelly beans and i think he's like basically almost like finished the bowl there's some left, and you're like, like, oh, you like those? Like, yeah, this is like the awful flavors. We, we gave you like vomit jelly beans. And he looked at them. He like looked at the bowl and like just no sold them. And he's like, well, I like them. And like took a big <laughs> handful and just started munching some more. You don't, you don't do that <laughs> to like, guys. That's, that's Harley race. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't do that to guys like Harley because he probably grew up eating like black licorice. Yeah, that's probably that's like it. his favorite. And it's just like he has no taste buds left if he's eating that <laughs> shit. What is the um? Oh shit! What is the, what is that awful candy that tastes like black licorice? Is that the Good and Plenty's? I uh, don't know. Mike and Ike's? Maybe Mike and Ike's. My grandpa liked black licorice. That's that. There's nothing more vile than I black licorice. I personally don't like licorice of any sort, but I particularly don't like uh black licorice. No, it's vile. It, it is. It is awful. I'm fine with licorice other than black licorice i i have tried i can't do it and the the brocks have the black jelly beans that's the same flavor those are just as well yeah oh that's like such an old man like candy yeah i just can't do it i can't do it so takeaways from these matches guys what uh what, what did we take away from watching them uh Outside of the Butch Reed match, I like actually really like these. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, again, I like. I mean, we're watching more old school stuff, but I thought it was largely very good. And obviously, like the old school Japanese stuff, I think is really really good. Uh, and I did like the fact that I, the tag match I like the best because uh, again, it's like just four guys just being allowed to just like go out there, uh, have fun. And, yeah. have, and their their idea is fun. It's just like let's beat the shit out of each other and have fun while we're doing it. Um, but I did like I, I like the Dick the Bruiser versus Baba match. I thought that was like surprisingly intense. Uh, I thought that was well worked. I think Brad is onto something. Like I think Baba is just like a way more sympathetic baby face than you think. Um, even the three minute Mad Dog with Sean squash was fun because it's like it's it's definitely a guy living up to his nickname. Yeah. <laughs> 
the he understood the gimmick. Like they would just go out there and be like a madman. Um, but again, like the overall, I would say it's it's good. I like I like that we were exploring into like older stuff. Yeah, I feel like we're learning something with these. It's been fun, and I mm-hmm. want to say I want to. Can we dispel these stereotypes people have about Japanese wrestling and Japanese crowds? Like we've mm-hmm. seen plenty of matches from the 70s and 80s with like a crap load of heat. Like the tag, like that crowd was hot for that. Mhm. My um. And and the idea – one of the other things that I've taken away from watching this older stuff is that – and I know Brad and I especially like bagging on the old indie vets thing is like they they didn't they, – they say that stuff because they just don't want to work that night. Like the older stuff, these guys are going hard. They're just not doing as many moves in it, and that is just how the business has – changed since then people expect more moves unless you're steve austin and you can get steve austin can get away with just basically punching the entire match but everybody else you got to like do some stuff in there nobody nobody i mean for god's sake dick the bruiser and giant baba did not like work the arm and the crowd went crazy even even um the destroyer don leo jonathan which was the closest to like a technical mat style match we saw had a lot of character work like they were doing a ton of like emoting and character work and changing it up and that was interspersed with them like doing stuff yes and it's not just stopping and pointing at the crowd and going you shut up fat boy you know you don't talk to me that way it's like no no, it you, was you, like they, I mean they they were doing subtle comedy in that where like the destroyer went to mimic somebody's like uh oh I'm too short. Yeah, the headlock switch thing that he did I was like, what are we? What? Or even that like monkey flip. I mean some of the stuff Don Leo Jonathan was doing was just like ridiculous for his size. Yeah, flippy shit's killing the business. Like the the monkey flip into the drop kick, and even that bump he took over the top rope, like yeah, or doing that flip on the ropes to get out of yeah. the, uh, the arm ringer. It's like, or even no. even like they would do stuff, and Don Leo Jones would be like, "Oh man, that was good stuff." Like here, let me shake your hand. Like I appreciate that. Like they were, yeah. Like, but I mean, that's the thing I think those indie vets don't get. It's like, yeah, they're doing a little less, but like, are you Don Leo Jonathan? Are you the Destroyer? Because if you're not, like. You're not you're not going to pull it off. Yeah. Like, are you Dusty Rhodes? Because Dusty Rhodes could sit there and read the phone book and he'd be more interesting than you. So, yeah, like, yeah, it's it's the the crusty vet stereotype. Or it's like even like I've seen matches where Dusty Rhodes is working the arm most of the match, but he's also shaking his big fat ass while he's doing it. Like, because <laughs> he's Dusty Rhodes. Yes! He can do that. Like that. That's the thing that they don't understand. It's like, yeah, he worked the arm for nine minutes. He's Dusty Rhodes. So he made it interesting. Yeah. But I, I have I have an appreciation, a better appreciation of how the business has changed. And it has, you know, it, in the same way that like every other sport has changed as we've gone. People have gotten more athletic. They've been capable of doing more things. And that's fine. That's cool. You see cool stuff. There's still a place for the guy who's not doing that sort of thing. But if you're going to sit and grumble that not what it used to be and it sucks now, it's just like, no, you're you're the same person who's, you know, you're the same person who's mad that, you know, they went from K1 
catalytic converter converters to fuel injection or you know what i don't know enough about cars to make this a good metaphor but you know what i'm saying i think uh, i think even in any of these matches we've watched even in that 68 match if dick the bruiser had just worked the arm for 20 minutes that crowd would have been bored as hell yeah and the crowds used to do that too even back then they would chant boring oh i've seen it like you can watch old techwood stuff if the if the squash gets boring the crowd starts chanting boring at them yeah so don't tell me that the crowd you we worked the arm for 15 minutes and everybody was into it's like i'm not buying what'd you finish with heart punch you worked the arm for 15 you you worked the arm for 15 minutes and then finished with a roll-up didn't you and guess what? Nobody cared. Like they I don't were care all... what they used to do. Yeah. Like they it, were just it's... more polite because you couldn't hear all the um the cell phones flipping up. It was, all you could hear is probably the program shuffling is like what the hell's next because this is yep. bad. <laughs> you think they got any more nachos? Um I just It's like are they still going like I need another beer? Yeah, or or this is a piss break. Yeah. Wrestling has changed. The audience has changed. That and it does not matter. It's the same reason that there are TV shows that get put out, TV shows and movies that go out there and die left and right. The audience is different. You've got to figure out what it is that people will buy into. And it was different in the 60s and 70s. And that's not a bad thing. And it being different is not a bad thing. It's just, hey, Shut up. <laughs> I would say the audience is more discerning now. And honestly, though, the thing is, though, they're saying that stuff, but a lot of those people left because they got tired of getting jerked around. Like when um, when yeah. Lance Storm lost that argument huge to Meltzer, Meltzer's like, we knew it was fake in the 70s, dude. Yeah, yeah. So I think that'll about do it for this one, unless, Matt, you have any thoughts you want to throw in. No, like I think everything has uh, already been covered, but I, I do. <laughs> I did think I, I remember that Meltzer Landstorm exchange because it wasn't that yeah. long ago. I did find it interesting. Yeah, yeah, I like Storm usually, but he can really go into clown world on stuff. And yeah, especially when he delves into politics, he goes straight to clown world. Well, I mean, Dave gets when he gets into politics, it's like clown stuff. Yeah, Dave. It, <sighs> The problem is I don't I think Dave it's not Dave's forte but I don't feel like I don't feel like Dave embarrasses himself as badly when he delves into politics as Lance can. Yeah, I think that part of that I think is like Lance no offense to a friend of the show like Justin, but I think Lance is approaching it from a more like Canadian political mm. mentality and it's like it's it's tricky to actually apply like the ethics and morals and opinions of your country with the the political uh, ideations or morals of another country. Yeah. It's and I, I usually don't. I mean, we can we've talked about it before, but it's like we can get on this show and talk about how like, well, you know, maybe these like uh, Saudi Arabia shows that WWE does like aren't really the best idea because the government in Saudi Arabia is like morally compromised, and that's certainly accurate. But I'm not like going to sit down and debate like the politics of saudi arabia much beyond like that obvious stuff so mm -hmm. i th i think the difference between dave and lance is 
2016 broke Lance's brain like a lot of people's brains, and it didn't break Dave's brain. Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference between the two of them. 2016 broke a lot of people's brains on both sides of the aisle. I keep hoping that gets better, and it doesn't get better. Uh, I don't know. It's like a never-ending like clown car of badness now. <laughs> well, we don't we don't delve into that so much. So no, I think we're gonna leave that Boring. here. Everybody, um, hey, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us on social media. You got requests, send them our way too. And so. All that being out there, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners, you're in the fourth, and we'll see you next time.